Last week on Into the Dead. I like to refer to myself as an offensive analyst. How much football do I need to know for this position? <laughs> and his response was, a lot. Most successful teams, the teams that make those championship runs, are the closest teams, right? The group text name is the assistant coach's roundtable. This sounds almost as members only as playing cards at your house. Uncle Pete, thanks for listening. And Jace with a catch and shoot. Bang! Nothing but Mike that. Green style. It's time to get back into the dead. We're back and better than ever. A weekly podcast dedicated to covering the student-athletes, coaches, and teams of the University of Minnesota Morris Cougars. Into the Den has no offseason. And now, the Den is open again. Let's go deep into the Den. We've got something special going on here. With your co-hosts, Tim Grove and Matt Johnson. Welcome, welcome, welcome back into the den. We are back and better than ever. Along with co-host Matt Johnson, I am Tim Grove, and we are here to fill you in on the week that was in Cougar Athletics. And today uh, we will also be highlighting Cougar Tennis. Uh, Matt, how are you on this fine February day? Uh, Outstanding. Now, our guest referenced how cold it was on the walk over today, but well, let's not kid ourselves here. San We're, Diego roots. I yeah, correct. Uh, that's what it is. Uh, I guess we can we can live with yep. that. But uh, I love the little uh, lead in again, which I always do. Every, I mean, honestly, the best. But uh, it gave me a chance again to think how good were Rab and Valentine yeah. last week, man. Fantastic. Yeah, that was really good. And then I got to see those bozos at the uh, first pitch dinner on Saturday, even too. So yeah, doing a great job. But I'm excited about this week for sure. Well, we are. And since you brought up the guys, uh, we recorded on Tuesday, of course, when. Wednesday, then, I was privy to another assistant coach's roundtable lunch. It was fantastic. Yep. I understand you had the invite as well, well yeah, but you weren't able to make it. Well, yeah, and here's the reality. I don't know that I actually will, but all so I had it, to do... So it is going to be like cards at my oh, place. Oh, easy. Okay. All, all right. I had to do was just whine and complain enough, and all of a sudden they're like, throw a dog a bone. So, yeah. <laughs> well, good stuff. Uh, before we get to uh, Coach Michelle and, and Cougar Tennis, we do want to highlight some player and performer of the week awards that were announced actually during our recording last week. Uh, we had hoped that we'd be recording these at a time where those would have already come out, uh, but they tend to, to come out about the same time that uh, we're recording uh, these podcasts. So uh, this is from a week close ago. Close circuit to Corey Borkert in the UAC yeah. commissioner's office. If That's we could right. adjust that schedule accordingly for the den, it would be much appreciated. We would take it. Uh, but we had three student athletes honored by the UMAC last week for either player or performer of the week. Cody Nye, whose name we've mentioned many times on the Ooh. pod here, uh, was honored as the Male Field Athlete of the Week. Nye won the shot put with a throw that was not only the best in the UMAC thus far, but also tied him 21st nationally, which we covered last week. Outstanding performance there by Cody. Anna Briggs was the Female Field Athlete of the Week. She won the shot put and was third uh, in the weight throw the weekend before. And then Maddie Grove was honored with Player of the Week for Women's Basketball. Grover averaged 25 and a half points per game and two wins for the Cougars on 50% shooting. And this was the second player of the week honor for Maddie this season. So just some things uh, to tidy up there from a week ago. Um, always nice to highlight our athletes of the week to get honored uh, through the UMAC. Yep. Specifically this time of the year, you know, if you're receiving these honors, obviously it means you're doing stuff that are helping you push towards playoff berths or in Cody's, I hopeful position national championship type uh that you know type deals so yeah congratulations to cody anna and maddie uh and now we will get into talking some cougar tennis with coach consuelo michelle coach welcome back into the den thank you for having me 
She's always a good to quote have unquote you back. regular almost. She what is, is this? <laughs> is two or three times with us? Well, yeah. I think I think twice literally in the den, and then of course she was in with the uh, oh, the Cougar Days, Days of Giving, of giving yeah, right? Yeah. Yep. So yeah, you're a veteran. For sure. Uh, so, Coach, the, the season has officially started. You've been practicing since coming back from, from semester break a few weeks ago. Tell us uh, about the practices and kind of how things have been going so far. Uh, they've been going good. Um, thankfully, last semester we were able to get a couple of practice in, so that helped us a lot. Um, and then being able to just go outside and practice on actual core, regular core, has been tremendous for us and having that space really help us out a lot so and I think that that's what I was going to ask you next is have you been able to take advantage of the kind of unseasonably warm weather we're having here in in January and early February you said you have gotten outside yeah yeah it's one of the things that I told the girls listen you just have to put a couple jackets on if you have to do that um but that means we can actually get outside we're going to get outside um and especially with you know different surface and everything like that being able to get a couple practice in uh, before actual match against Crooks and last week, really help us out getting adjusted to the timing and everything. So am I to believe that you haven't historically gone out in late January and practiced <laughs> outside? <laughs> no, I learned I something wish. new every day. <laughs> um, you referenced a little bit about the fall uh, before we get into like kind of the outlook for this year. How have you been able to navigate the the dual responsibilities that you have? Obviously, as an assistant men's soccer coach backslash head tennis coach and with tennis having a split season um what does that look like in the fall for you and is that more of a captain's practice type situation or were you actively involved at that time too yeah no we had a meeting at the beginning of the year kind of to you know get the team to know each other uh, especially with the freshmen we have five new freshmen um so it's one of the things like i wanted the returners to get to know them and also when it came to that i just told the captains i'm like listen work around the high school Scheduled so you guys can get matches, um, matches in, practice in. Um, so that way, once I come around at the end, beginning of November, right, I'm not starting from scratch. It's not the first time you're hitting a tennis ball. Um, so that's kind of how we manage it, and it worked well, uh, especially with this. Once we started practicing, all of us together in January, their level was a huge change um, compared to last year. This year, the level grew up a lot so awesome you know i think an, another obvious difference from last year to this year is that you're only working with the women's team right the, the men's team is discontinued at least for the time being and so you i assume now have fewer athletes to work with how has that been from a coaching standpoint are you able to to hone in more on on individual skill and individual development than you were in the past um it's still a little bit of a challenge because obviously um two tennis courts for 10 players is still pretty tough um especially with it just being singles and doubles, you're not able to get everyone in at the right reps and everything you want to get done, especially with the time and space and things like that. Um, I'm able to do a little bit of that. Um, but like I said, a lot of the girls already know what we're doing. Sure. So it's kind of just doing little tuning that they, it has to be done. So, so the, re the real benefit will then be once you can really get outside full time, that'll be huge because there's obviously more space, more yep. people can do more things, and that's the benefit to the entire program. Yeah, because outside we're able to have five courts, and it's one of the things that I can just divide them and do them, you know, with a partner, and I'm able to walk around the courts, obviously dodging tennis balls um, <laughs> left and right, but I'm able to actually observe a lot better, um, whereas we're trying to do drills, it's one to say, okay, you hit two balls and this person goes in, um, and if I have to stop the drill, I have to stop it. But it's the same thing. It's a little more harder to do that individually, um, especially because I'm the one helping out in the drill. Well, and hopefully, 
I mean, from a court perspective, too, you'll dodge less of them um, because they're hit between the white lines and they don't hit ginormous cracks that used to exist on the court. Yes. Were you able to, when you got out there, um, were the kids able to notice a difference with the, re the resurfacing that happened last spring or, or was it not something that was anyone really aware of yet? No, it helped a lot in the sense as to you're not trying to guess where the ball is going to go once mm -hmm. the, it hits the crack. Um, it started to bubble up a little bit on the cracks. Um, so it has? Yeah. Okay. So, but it's one of those things that, regardless of that, it's like it's better because the ball is actually bouncing how it's supposed to bounce. Um, it might die a little bit, but it's not completely just changing direction on you. Love it. So, talk about a potential home court advantage. You know how it's going to bounce <laughs> off the cracks. Hey, it's I just mean, like playing in the Metrodome all those years ago. There's all those uh, things you got to know. Um, so you're coming off, obviously, of a really successful... I think in twofold, successful just in general, but specific for Morris Tenors, a, a, an excellent uh, season last year. Uh, you played in the UMAC tournament last spring. What were you able to carry forward from that experience to this year's team, or what is the hope of that carry forward? Um, <clears throat> well, for us, one of the things is just the girls got the experience to actually go and compete in that tournament because um, previous years they everyone has been able to get in. Um, having those two divisions actually puts that pressure on. Um, and for us, something that carried over was how our mentality got way better. We're, um, even in the core, there's a couple of times that we were having struggles with, you know, our, the way we we're thinking about ourselves, right? We were thinking, well, the other team has been in the playoffs at some amount of times. The other team has beat us at some amount of times, great example superior. But with ours getting mentally stronger, that changed, that made a huge change. For us. You mean so. mentally stronger, like beating them twice last year? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was big. And you, so you brought up the division. So that's where mm -hmm. we'll go next. So um, for those that aren't, aren't familiar with it, we, the UMAC in tennis is divided up into a north and a south. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? And what they decided mm -hmm. to do with postseason play is the top two teams from the north and the top two teams from the south will then mm -hmm. advance to the conference tournament. What you guys were able to do last year, as you mentioned, beating Superior twice. Mm -hmm. So it was you and, and the University of Northwestern. With that kind of as a backdrop and knowing those two programs are historically good year after year after year, how do you feel about going into another year with the goal of we want to make it back to the conference tournament, knowing that if you're in, one of those two awesome programs are going to be out? Mm -hmm. uh, how does that feel now, and, and what does that have you kind of looking forward to for the season? Um, I'm excited. Biggest thing is just because, like, we're blessed enough to be able to have me back in that sense because the program is able to have a continuous coach. And I think that's what it was lacking. Um, talking to Kylie, our senior, that's one of the things that it was hard to have that continuing. You bet. Um, but me being back and the players that we have back, that they're very coachable, they're very open to know what I'm trying to do. Um, and I told them before, they probably know. Tennis more than I do. They've played it for years and years. Um, but it's one of the things that I love, that we're able to both, like the team and myself will learn from each other. And so I think that's what has helped us out a lot. Well, you just mentioned the, the players that you have back. Let's, let's talk about your roster mm -hmm. for a moment. So you've got some quality returners uh, who played at an all-conference level last year. You mentioned Kylie, um, Allie, Val. They were all conference level players last year. Are there others that you want to highlight, whether it's returning players or new players to the program? Yeah, I think uh, Mary Beth, um, massive player for us. I think she's going to be massive for us this year because her level has leveled up so much. It's one of the things like um, last year we talked a lot about um, being more consistent on the court and having more power. 
she brought that against Kirkston. Um, and Ava as well. Um, and same thing, all of our freshmen have shown, like, they can play at this level. Um, Kristen, um, one of my freshmen, she was playing as a number four. She's my neighbor. <laughs> and Great kid. And with that, I was, it was a time she was getting frustrated, but it was one sure. of those things that she made it the life impossible for the other players to just get an easy win. Um, and that's one of the things I told him, like, you're playing a returner who's, I believe, either a sophomore or junior. Sure. You're a freshman. Yep. And you're, and she's a division two. So give yourself more props as to the way you're playing. Um, so I'm not too concerned with the freshmen. I think they're going to be able to get adjusted to what we have to do. But like I said, all the returners and freshmen, our team has leveled up a lot. So. And it looks like an interesting roster dynamic in terms of you've got basically five, not even basically, you have five returners and five mm-hmm. first-year kids, right? So, I mean, finding that balance between them being new mm-hmm. to tennis, as you referenced, at least at the collegiate level, and mixing in with a really good group of returners. And yes, Kylie gets a lot of publicity, and you should, Kylie. You know, <laughs> you're awesome, and you're the one for That's a reason, right? right? Mm-hmm. But, but you've got a lot of those returners, as you referenced, that now are taking that next step as a mm-hmm. program. You know, so what have you, did you do anything specific to try and build that team camaraderie or is that something that just happened in the fall with three practices? Um, I believe it happened more in the fall. The other things that the girls took initiative on their own. Um, if we did like a team dinner the other day, um, so that helped out a lot. But even just in the fall, we'll be like, hey, just get together and like hit around. That alone helps out a lot because it will be like reaching out to each other. Um, I'll try to check in and be like, hey, who went to captain's practice and that not that it's mandatory, but who who came and helped out. And a lot of times were the freshmen that went, um, returners as well. But it's one of the things that they were able to figure out on their own. Um, the other things, having to travel in vans is really going to force us to bond together. <laughs> yep. So, yeah. Now, uh, you opened the competitive part of your season last mm-hmm. Friday. We mentioned um, at Crookson. And we don't have to get into the, you know, the, the nuts and bolts and, and the, the, you know, kind of the overall loss there. But were there things that, that you were able to take away? You mentioned, you know, um, talking with, with Kristen about her situation mm-hmm. at, at four singles. And, but were there things that you're able to take away that you saw um, your players do really well that you want to make sure you, you continue on with them? Were there things that you found that this is some things that we need to work on uh, and, and kind of use our practice time for? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we got to work on is just getting a little more in shape. Um, just because, like I said, since we don't have that much space, we're not able to do full-on singles all the time, and that's where you get the most tired. Um, and I think that's where they were struggling a little bit more. Doubles will look fantastic. That's one of the things that I, I – a lot of times I didn't have to coach much. I was kind of going like, hey, you're doing great. Like, it's going amazing. Um, but also, like I said, it's one of the things that I was like – hey, the, the way you guys are hitting, it's 10 times harder and more accurate than last year. Like a lot of, we, even like my assistant coaches, um, at the end, Gordon went around and gave us all like a handshake. He was impressed. And me as well, I was sitting there going, and I'm like, half of the time just going like, wow. Like I didn't know you guys were able to hit like the ball this hard against a different team. Because obviously once you see your team practicing over and over again, you get used to it, right? You don't realize it. But once you see it in the actual match, it's impressive. So I think one of, that's one of the things that I took away from the match is like just our level, our baseline, it's way higher than we had it last year. All right, so two questions for you, neither related to each other. Uh, the first one, you referenced the conditioning piece of it, and this is a 
a uninformed question. I mean, I know if, if I wanted to do that in football a million years ago, I'd just have the dude run sprints, right? Mm-hmm. In basketball, you can do crushers or whatever, and hopefully with a basketball in your hand, so it's Eurocentric, whatever. Is that an element of tennis too? Do you just straight up condition with it, or is a lot of it done through drill play? I try to do it through drill play just to make it a little more fun because um, normally that's how we do it in soccer as well. We try to do our condition with the ball at our feet because um, that's more realistic too. Mm-hmm. Um but there's a lot of it that at the beginning of the practice, I always do like an activation drill with the girls. So they don't even go and grab their rackets. I'll have, you know, uh, cone drills with them. We'll do a couple of sprints, something to get them going. Um, and even on Saturdays, that's when we do just specific workout. I love doing plyos because um, that helps us a lot. So that's one of the things that we try to incorporate to make sure they can get in shape for tennis. Okay. And then the last one before we get to figure out how well you actually know your team and <laughs> coach... <laughs> Coach Grove, you know I always get excited about this. Yes, you do. Um, talk to me about the depth of your squad, because that's one thing you and I have talked offline about, and we've referenced the pure numbers of it, right? Five first years, and then, you know, your returners. Mm-hmm. Um, what does that depth look like, and and how how do you go about determining who your five or six are, for example, or who's playing in that your second set of doubles? Is it is it a week-by-week week variance in that, or is it pretty much you're locked into your spot, and that's how it is? Um, honestly, it is a tough uh, I love that. I mean, I mean, you know, in a tough position when it comes to trying to decide that because it it is hard because um, all of them are playing very well, um, especially with these non-conference races when I'm trying to figure that out, see who's going to do, who's going to stand out more. Um, and one of the biggest things I look at is just consistency because um, at the end of the day, if you're not able to keep your serving consistently, you can't play. Um, and same thing, you might have a great serve, but if you can't return that ball, same thing, you're not able to get a game going. Um, so that's kind of like the key things that I do, but I also try to go based off week by week, um, especially when we have two games in the same week, then I have to tweak it sometimes. Yeah. Um, but I'm very confident that all of them can do the, the job. Are there matchups, if that makes sense? So, I mean, if you're playing versus a Northwestern or a Superior, you're knowing mm-hmm. – it doesn't only boil down to them, but I mean, as two competitive foes, yep. do you look at that and say, hey, their number four is, you know, does this, has a great serve or mm-hmm. whatever else the case is and try to play that, that way a little bit? Or is it more of just, again, the, the, the skill set is close enough between them that you just roll the ball out and play? Um, it's tough to figure that out because you can, you can just only go based off records because we don't get, you know, we don't get video. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um so it's one of those things like, yes, I'm going to be looking into that to see, okay, who's going to match better with who. But at the end of the day, if I feel confident in the lineup that I already have, I'm not going to move it. Yep. Uh, so one last question before we get into our fun little game here, and that is you, you mentioned Gordon. Mm-hmm. And for though I'm, I know we've mentioned Gordon on the podcast <laughs> before, Gordon McIntosh, who is the uh, Cougar Athletics I guess, volunteer guru extraordinaire. I don't know how else He's the to, godfather. He is, it's fantastic. But um, you can uh, please mention Gordon and then assistant coaches just to kind of let us know who your staff is. Yeah. Um, well, obviously Gordon. Um, and then we have uh, Michael Scheibel, if I mispronounce that last name, my bad. No, you're all over <laughs> Scheibel. Um, but yeah, but those two have been uh, key also to our success. Um, one, Michael just driving us around. <laughs> yeah. One of the things. But the other thing is, right, just helping out the players. Because um, obviously it's only me, like one head coach, trying to move around through six courts. Um, it's kind of tough to try and keep an eye on everyone, um, especially because, you know, some of the players are struggling sometimes in their matches. And Mike does an amazing job as to, like, going there and just helping them and supporting them. 
Um, and so does Gordon. Um, a lot of times we'll hand out candy as we're going and talking. That's a new thing that we're trying to do this year. Nice. Because um, it just brings them a little smile. And that's one of the things, like, sometimes we just have to get them out of their head. Yeah. So, yeah. For sure. Love it. So, without further ado, uh, we need to get dun, into dun, dun, a... Uh, a game we love to call Little Known Facts, and we've done this numerous times with the other coaches on the pod, and so our listeners know what's going on. I reached out to your players and asked them for a couple of facts, and uh, we'll see how well either you know or can guess uh, who this might be. So I reached out to all your players. I heard back from, I don't know what is on the list here, maybe seven, eight of them, I suppose. Um, but here we go. I'll give you two clues for each, and then you can guess who it is. Well, if you don't know this one, I can't help you. Uh, my go-to order at, at Starbucks is an iced grande white chocolate mocha with vanilla sweet cream cold foam. Common knowledge. If I didn't have that written down, there's no way I could spew that out. $4.39. <laughs> you would, yes, yeah. you would know. Uh-huh. Any guess on that one before I give you clue number two? Okay, yes. <laughs> that was very good, Coach. Yeah. Um, Other than you're not supposed to get... No, you're not supposed to get the first one. The second one is, I'm this year's sociology student representative. Did that... Would that close it no, up I for you? No, I think the Starbucks got Star- closer. <laughs> okay, there you go. But hey, sociology student rep, congratulations, That's Mary right. Beth. Mary Beth, way to go. All right, next one. I have been playing tennis since the third grade. Can I get the second one? Absolutely. I am obsessed with all types of shoes, and I have lots of pairs. Allison. (laughs) This isn't going as poorly as I had hoped. (laughs) There's still time. There is. Okay. Next one. I have broken three bones, two of them from basketball. My kind of kid. Mm -hmm. A hooper. Can I get the second one? Absolutely. I've only been playing tennis for three years. Jess. Yes. <laughs> That's Mac McKenzie. Oh, yeah. Only yeah. been playing for three years. How about that? I love it. Yeah. Next one. I eat bananas during matches. Kylie. <laughs> See, Kylie throwing softballs up here. Yeah. Did you lobster. also know Kylie is fluent in Spanish? Yep. Okay, so she'd have had slam dunk either <laughs> Correct. way. Ooh, I'm a senior. I'm going to give Coach the easy ones. <laughs> Next one. I have a blue Stanley water bottle, but I always bring bottled water to practice. Um, Kristen. I am the only player on the team who does everything opposite from my teammates. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm taking it. She's a I lefty. Yep. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Next one. I am scared of butterflies. Which makes sense. The fangs are, well, scary. Yeah, they're so gentle and beautiful. <laughs> I can see the, why that was scary. Can get the second one? I was a figure skater for 13 years. Catherine? <laughs> Graceful on the court. She knew it. Coach is amazing. Uh, do me a favor, figure out the butterfly deal because that one. Doesn't I didn't know that. Yeah, of course not. But now, <laughs> now you've got this insider information. Mm-hmm. We need it next time. All right, talk about someone 
about to steal my heart here. Yep. Wow. I ate ice cream all but five days this summer. Apparently that wasn't a conver- <laughs> not talking about conversation. Uh, no. the other <laughs> all right. How about this one? I am the oldest of seven kids and my mom is pregnant now with number eight. Whoa. Ava. <laughs> Bless you. Yeah. yeah. Mama Weber. Bless you. Mama Weber is right. You're tremendous. I am one of eight kids myself and I know what she's in for. I'm not, and <laughs> I'm glad. Uh, all right, I've got one more for you. Uh, I have a five-pound, 12-year-old dog. No idea. I have two majors and one minor. Mariah? I can give you, we can give, we can fill in some more clues here. Um also, a women's soccer player. Oh, Jess. There you are, Jazzy. <laughs> there you go. Coach, thanks a lot for playing along. At least she Always. ended with a miss. That was, you know, <laughs> I, if you started off on fire, just mm-hmm. give me one where we can gloat a little bit. But. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Consuelo, thanks for coming into the den with us once again. We uh, wish you and your program nothing but continued success. Uh, you've done a fantastic job, and, and we look forward to watching you more when you are at home and out on that new surface and uh, we can't wait to watch some cougar tennis this spring so best of luck to you thank you we had a lot of fun all right way to go always good to talk uh, cougar tennis with coach michelle and and as you mentioned matt that's a, a program certainly on the rise here on campus and and uh, a program that is coming off a conference tournament birth last spring and and so i think expectations have changed a little bit here which is great and and it's fun to see their success yeah it is and the reality with it and I, i'm glad that the coach mentioned it consistency from the coaching is a big part of it and and um consuelo cares deeply about tennis and about men's soccer respectively and because of that good things are happening now it's a process just like anything else, but to keep her in that role, to keep Mikey Scheibel, who, Mike, if you're listening, I, I love you, man. He doesn't know anything about or didn't, right, right. but you know what? We gave him a job, a task, he picked it up, and all of a sudden I've gone several mornings to, to be a part of their practice. Um, not play, but I watched Scheibel in there actually working with it and, you know, and 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 bettering himself. He he He's picked up the game, and Gordon is Gordon. So uh, I'm ultra proud of that program. I'm ultra proud of what, what they're accomplishing. And the reality is, T, I think as we talk at the Den, as we move forward, they're going to be right in the mix of a potential berth into the playoffs. Yeah, they will. And 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 we, everyone, I think, understands that there's, there's more to the athletic side of things than just the sports-specific activity. You mentioned Shives. He might not technically know a lot about tennis itself. He knows athletes and he knows athletics. Yep. And when you can when you can help someone get in the correct frame of mind to go out and do whatever they're going to do, that's I was going to say half the battle. A lot of times, more than half the battle. If they're enjoying what they're doing, enjoying being part of where they are, they will go out and, and perform at their best, even if technically you don't have all the answers. But if you can put them in that great frame of mind, be someone that they can count on and rely on. That's what you need. Hundred percent. And I know last year. Um, Consuelo shared with me several times that Mike was great about going and talking to the women. At, yes. Tennis is such a, it, I would assume, a sport where, I mean, you, you can get into your own head so quick. And Shivo's great about having him step back and say, hey, you're doing okay here, you know, yes. just being a friendly face. Yeah. So, again, I, I'm, I'm excited about that program. I was glad that, that we were able to highlight them today because hopefully good things are coming. Absolutely. And that will allow us here to move on to uh, the on, 
I guess more on court uh, activities here with women's basketball first. Um, after seven straight wins to finish in January, Cougar women's basketball opened up February at Martin Luther with an overtime loss, 56-53. Uh, really good game, though. There were seven lead changes and nine ties in that game. Things were tied up at 28 apiece at halftime, and then uh, we literally could not find the basket in the third quarter, scoring only four points in that 10-minute frame. Um, and we, I was going to say joked, it wasn't really a very funny at the time, but uh, Martin Luther banked in two threes like yeah. from the side that looked like uh, could potentially miss the entire basket, and they end up you know, hitting the backboard and going in. So that's happening for them. Well, meanwhile, we can't find the basket. But as frustrating as that was, our defense continued to keep us in the game, allowing only 19 points in the second half. But, of course, unfortunately, we only scored 19 points in the second half as well, coming back in the fourth quarter to tie things up. Overtime didn't go our way as the Knights outscored us 9-6 to to take the 56-53 to win, which uh, I didn't realize this, but in in Martin Luther's uh, write-up of the game, that was the first victory over us since 2016. Uh, I didn't realize, but and this will make you just be aware of the Johnson household. Cooper knew right away the last loss. He oh, had, boy. So. Coop, I love that kid. Yeah. Um, but in the game, we shot a miserable 25% from the field, uh, which included going one for 20 from the three-point line. And I know we have said time and time again, the three-point line is not what we do. Uh, but you, when you make one out of 20, that's that's going to that's gonna uh, have a great effect on the outcome of the game. Uh, free throws, though, weren't any better for us. We shot 18 for 31, which is a 58% clip there from the free throw line. So they were all but free on Friday night. Uh, but as poorly as things went on the offensive end, Matty Grove ended up leading us with 16 points as our only player in double figures there. Uh, the headliner of the night, though, um, shout out to Mallory Anderson, who just continues to do such impressive things on the court. She had 19 rebounds in the game, which is third highest in a single game in program history. Mm -hmm. And whenever you talk about the words program history, ever, uh, you're doing some very, very impressive things. So a uh, big shout out to Mal uh, for those 19 rebounds. That's following a 17 rebound performance from a few weeks ago. She's just done incredible, incredible things for us. Um, and then to kind of wrap things up with individual things, Jay Quate led the way defensively with another ho-hum six steals mm -hmm. on the evening. So... As as miserable as things were for us offensively, defensively, we continue to play really, really good basketball, and it shows there in some of those stats. Yep. And when I looked at it, and you and I talked yesterday morning about it as well, obviously, losses are hurt, are hard, you know, and specifically ones where you were in an opportunity to, you know, to to win a, a ball game, you know, if just another shot had gone or something else had changed. But but I guess the other point I'd bring up out of that, Tim, is let's not take anything away from Martin Luther. Now, Correct. they didn't exactly play a, an amazing game themselves, but they did enough to win. And if I'm not mistaken, they're 5-5 five and five in conference, yes. and they're in the four seed right now. So that's a a conference tournament talented-esque mm -hmm. team that, that you have talked about many, many a time. This road trip that you guys went on last Saturday is the hardest. I would have said superior in Northland just because of the distance, and maybe that's mean hard too but to go into martin luther who they always play better at home yes and then to have to follow that up the next night going into blc that's not some kind of a walk in the park for for a visiting team so i mean the the loss for me challenging for you alter challenging for the women i get it but again martin luther's piecing things together a little bit they are and that's a team where um well i'd mentioned last week you know you look at their record and it's not all that impressive uh but when you watch film on that team you you ask yourself how are these 
how are these guys not winning yep. right now? Uh, and they they played well enough um, to beat us Friday night on a night where we were we were off. But yes, as you mentioned, all credit should go to Martin Luther. They did whatever they had to do uh, to come away with that home win, and and as you said, keep them in the hunt. Yep. So now you go to Bethany, and and I'm going to steal the thunder from you. You guys get the win, and I know you're going to go through it in a second here. But I guess my question for you: peel back the layers of that coaching element of it. What was Friday post game like leading into Saturday? Was this a flush this one? We'll look at it later, or did we just straight up say, "Hey, ladies, we can't shoot twenty five percent from the floor and fifty eight percent from the line"? A um, couple of things. So right after the game, we're down in the locker room, and and I, I mean, it's no fun to lose, especially when you're a team that had won seven straight, and you coming into the game, you know, we're what seven and one, and they're three and five, um, you know, so. Maybe the expectation there is that we're going to go in and win this basketball game. Well, they practice too, and mm-hmm. they prepare too, and they. So after that, it was okay. Number one thing, we have to credit Martin Luther. Number two things, this does not feel good, right? We haven't had to have this feeling in a while. But the first thing I told my my team after that game was, we can't allow Martin Luther to beat us twice this weekend. And what I meant by that is we have to get over this quickly and then get on to Bethany. And what we do on Friday night always at halftime of the men's game is we watch film on the next day's opponent. Sure. Because all week long we've been we've been focused on Friday. So then how we handle it is halftime of the men's game Friday night, now we're on to the next game, win, lose, whatever. And so I said, you guys have about an hour here to sulk. You have an hour to feel crappy about this loss. You have an hour to... However you need to get over it, get over it. We're going to look at reasons why we lost this game, and then we're on to Bethany. And so at halftime of the men's game, we met in their, in their room, and I said, okay, we are going to look at reasons why we lost. And so we, we covered some of, these, some of these stats, some of the, the poor shooting that we did, the free throws, all those different things. And I said, these are reasons we lost. Now we close the book, and that's behind us. Now we're on to Bethany. And we watched film, and we prepared, and we were in, I don't want to say good spirits, but mentally, we knew exactly what we had to do. In order to be a successful team, you, the old adage is you win at home and you split on the road. You win at home and you split on the road. We have been winning at home, which has been great. So far, we have split on the road. Our trip up north, we beat Northland, we lost to Superior. Um, that loss there against, against Martin Luther still allowed us to split on the road, but that next game on Saturday was big for us. Yep. And I never sat there and said, it is a must win. I think that was an understanding that the team had, and they knew we had to come out sharp and, and ready to go. And even though we didn't come out as well as I thought we would uh, initially, um, especially offensively, things turned out well for us because we really grinded out a really, really good game on Saturday. And so that was kind of the, the messaging going into yeah. that, to that game. Um, and again, we just credit Martin Luther. Now we have to move on. Yeah, I love, and I guess I... I I don't know that I would have ever said those words before, but you can't let Martin Luther beat you twice. That's yeah. a great for insert softball, baseball, basketball, anybody that plays those back to back settings, yes. you know, where, yeah, you can't let that one poor night derail you the next night because now you're going to come out of that trip 0 and 2. And, and yes, you didn't come out the right way. Well, not as good as you had hoped. Mm-hmm. But T, you got to split on that weekend. So take us through Bethany Luther Absolutely. and what that looks like. So then Saturday, as I mentioned, it became crucial in my eyes in terms of of our goal of, of a conference championship, right? Because if we we can't go down two games to 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 Superior at this point, and uh, we we need to stay within one game of Superior, 
Um, and that's what we did. We started out slowly versus Bethany, falling behind 12 to three early in the game, but we battled back to within two points at the end of the first quarter and were able to take a two point lead heading into halftime at 27-25. And even though only up two at the time, we were feeling pretty good about where we were um, in the game and, and, and just how things were going. Um, and again, defensively, doing great things and just knowing that we're going to end up getting the ball in the basket, which was, which was good. And then we stretched our second half lead out to as much as 15 before Bethany battled back to within three at one point in the fourth Some quarter. Some big threes from them down the stretch. Yes, from the same kit. She hit two uh, identical shots from the same yep. spot. I swear it didn't get more than 11 feet. I mean, just it looked like lasers going in. I Bang. didn't think it had a chance, but boom, in it goes. Uh, and then some really big big plays down the stretch for us uh, sealed the 69 to 62 win. And holding Bethany to 62 points and under 40% shooting a day after they scored 94 on 62% shooting against Crown. So again, I will continue to talk about our defense. That is where we hang our hat. But game after game after game, that has been what's carried us. And so just an impressive effort uh, from our team defensively. We did have a better offensive day, getting back to our typical 43% field goal shooting, which is about where we've been in conference play. And that's where we need to be. We need to be you know, low to mid 40s to have success. And that also means we're getting the type of shots that we need to get as well, working inside to out, which we typically do. Um, so a much better offensive day for us there. Maddie was our catalyst on the offensive end with a game high 23 points, also adding four rebounds, three steals, and two assists, and really playing much of the game in yeah. foul trouble. Um, she, she picked up her second foul probably midway through the second and then quickly picked up her third on a charge. Uh, I would say just a couple possessions later, the charge I was completely fine with. I, I'm not sure that was at that point, and I loved the aggressiveness. I really didn't like her second foul. Once you have one, you can't pick up a foul, you know, uh, 35 feet from a basket. And we had that discussion, and, and uh, hopefully uh, that doesn't happen again. But that was Maddie's day there. Jay joined her in double figures with 13 points, which was great to see, and added five rebounds and another four steals on the day. Uh, Shelby Mortensen, Shelby hit a big shot awesome. off a pass from Maddie with about a minute to go in the game. That was huge for us at that time. Just really a, a big play. Uh, by a kid that we have mentioned time and time again at, as someone that just fulfills her role so very well um, on this team. And, and I know we, we, had, we were texting back and forth a little bit Saturday during the men's game, but one thing I wanted to mention about Bethany is that I had forgotten how loud it is in that gym and how difficult it is to communicate with your team. We've, had, we've played in some big games there in recent years. We've had playoff games there you know, against the Hannah Geisfeld teams and all that. And, and I remember coming out of those games and Lou saying like, do we need to change how we communicate with our team here? Do we need to have signs on, on, you know, signs on the bench that they can see what we want as opposed to trying to always communicate verbally what we want? Cause it is just different there than it is any other place in the UMAC. Yep. And I told you then, and I will tell you again, that is not the field that the online viewing, which by the way, their their play by play guy, the whole setup was great. It's I, good. Yes, we watched literally ninety nine point nine percent of the game. You know, whenever I didn't step away to grab a bite of popcorn, um, and you could tell there was noise in the in in the gym or whatever, Tim. But it doesn't play like that online. So as you're texting me that saying it was during the guys' game, yes. especially late when it got you yep. know close, where you're like, this place is just crazy right now, and I'm looking at it going, wow. It doesn't seem like that, right? You know what I mean. But um, I've heard you say that to me before, and and yeah, I just 
It's a small gym. Yes. There's like you you referenced me. There is one exit entrance to the whole yes. thing, so people are funneled in there. There's no place for the sound to go, and it just bumps. There are six seats of bleachers only, only six on either side. Yeah. I literally counted them so I could have this discussion because I, I knew we were going to bring this up. There's only six rows of bleachers on either side. And that just goes the length of the court. There's nothing on the ends because there's no space whatsoever. There's a walking track above where I'm clueless during our game. I couldn't tell you who was or who wasn't. It. I just never can at our game. I'm just not, I'm oblivious to that type of stuff when we're playing. But during the men's game, I would say there were people hanging over 60 to 75% on oh, top wow. as well. Um, and as I mentioned, there is only that one double door entrance, and that's in the corner of of the court as you come in. So there is literally nowhere for the for the the noise to escape anywhere, and it just gets so loud in there. And and yeah, especially during the men's game where where the place was packed and the game was incredibly exciting. So, um, but yeah, just one thing I wanted to to, to mention that's just such a unique. Pl- atmosphere that you just don't get anywhere else in the UMAC. Yeah, I mean, you talked about, uh, and we both did, about them closing that gap late in the fourth quarter. One thing that I liked, and, and it's not written here in the game notes, but you also, Sonny and others, stepped to the line and and knocked down crucial free throws yes. a night after shooting 58% from the line. Correct. I, I don't have this down, but I, I think Maddie went seven for nine. Sonny, as you mentioned, stepped up and knocked down a couple big ones. Jay Quate up, knocked down a couple big ones. So, yeah, we did that really well down the stretch of that game. Um, and as you well know, you can win or lose games at the free throw line yeah. late. And that was just uh, just really great to see on a on a game that that we needed so, and a good response coming good out response. of the night before. Absolutely. So this sets up a big game for us here on Friday night against who is the league leader in UW Superior. They'll come in at nine and one. We'll come in eight and two. Uh, it's going to be a big game. Um, if if they beat us, that puts two game separation between us and them. If we're able to beat them, that puts us tied uh, with three games to go. So really a, a huge game for us there. And a night that we're going to honor our seniors. Mm-hmm. On Friday night, we're going to have senior night, um, which we always honor them at halftime of the men's game. So it's something we always look forward to. Always bittersweet, as we've talked about senior days in the past. Uh, but Specifically just a, with fifth-year kids. For sure. Which, yeah, you yeah. just you get that extra year of of knowing them and and loving them and all that stuff and and it's uh, yeah and we have three of those this year which is incredibly unique yep and something that we won't have again. So I'm trying to uh, search my memory banks here. Will this be their first senior day or did we do it before? Because I know in different sports, different times. Like Correct. Hey, Carter Watkinson, love you, man, but you had six senior days with us. You know what I mean? The type deal. <laughs> yeah, this will be their one and okay. only senior day okay. for those three, and then joined with them uh, will be Mel Anderson. And by those three, I think everyone knows who I'm talking yeah. about: Jay Quate. Uh, Sonny, Jaden Sundrill, Maddie Smart, and then of course Mallory Anderson. More of a traditional senior. Yeah, that's right. The traditional four-year effect there. So. But for people who have had him, although obviously Smarty hasn't been able to go this year right. for you, but I mean, you want to talk about impact oh. on the program? Yeah, and that's like I say, I'll I'll have some things to say about them on Friday night, and none of it will be easy. Um, but yeah, excited that we'll have hopefully uh, uh, a couple more weekends to play yeah. with that group. So. Uh, that wraps up the women's basketball talk. Now on to men's basketball. Our men also split on the road this weekend. Friday night at Martin Luther, they came away with a 70-67 to 67 win. Um, that coming off the heels of three weeks ago, beating MLC by 45 points here at home. But as we well know, 
It is always a different story at MLC and New Ulm. We uh, must not have shot uh, 85% from three-point. No, we, we didn't set any school <laughs> records by knocking down 21 or more uh, three-pointers uh, Friday night. So the first half saw a number of lead changes, and neither team leading by more than five in the, point, in the first 20 minutes. Paul Dack went on a personal 7-0 run to help Morris take a 37-33 lead at halftime. Then with the game tied at 50, Brian Lares Jr. hit a three-pointer that ignited a 10-0 run by the Cougs that put us up 60-50 to with about seven minutes left in the game. MLC wouldn't go away as they fought back to trail by two at 62-60 with three minutes to play. And then Dak scored the next six for the Cougs with one field goal and going four for four from the foul line. And then Cujo added two clutch free throws late that got us out of there with the 70-67 to win. Paul Dack, as he typically does, led all scores with 23 points, also adding six rebounds. And Gus Gunderson also reached double figures with 11. And after the game, you know, as we're kind of hanging out, getting on the bus, whatever, joking with with Paul, brother Paul, Coach Paul, uh, after the game, that it's like same game, different year for the Cougs at Martin Luther on the men's side. Because it just happens... It seems to be that game year after year that you just grind it out, grind it out, and get on the bus for the win. Sport every (laughs) year. I'm serious. I mean, MLC has got the biggest home court advantage in every sport every time, and they're they're just tough outs. I mean, football this year, we we eke that out on on a win we maybe even shouldn't have. Soccer, I think, went down there and split. You basically, when you go to MLC, when you're in New Ulm, you throw the records out the door real yeah. quick and yeah. just know you're going to be in for an absolute fight. And what's unique, I always going to say unique about men's basketball, I don't know if they do this at other sports or not, but their student section for the men's basketball, they've got a group of guys that show up and every year it's a different theme when mm-hmm. we go there. And maybe it's a different theme every night that they have a home game. I don't know because obviously we're only there when we play. It's been toga night in the past. They've, I mean, just crazy stuff that they will do. Um, this past uh, uh, Friday night, they were just kind of dressed up in whatever, the, all kinds of different stuff, which was crazy. But they do very unique cheers and very unique things that they that they do during the game at timeouts. Um, during free throws, they'll come out and, and very loudly and annoyingly just read poems while our guys are shooting free throws. Uh, it's it's a crazy atmosphere. And it's a very unique experience to go to a men's basketball game hosted by Martin Luther. Go Knights. Yeah. <laughs> well said. I don't know what to I say. I couldn't have wrapped it up any better than that. Uh, then Saturday, we were matched up against league-leading and undefeated Bethany Lutheran coming in at 9-0 and on Saturday afternoon. Uh, they are incredibly talented, and the Cougars gave them a great game here at home a few weekends ago, and this game would be no different. Um, a very fun and exciting first half saw the Cougars' largest lead come at 24-19 after trailing 11-4 to start the game. Uh, the teams went into halftime all tied up at 33. The Cougars matched their largest lead of five points at two different times in the second half at 43-38 and again at 64-59. Different guys were stepping up and making big shots for the Cougars all game long. Uh, BLC quickly tied the score at 64, and the lead changed hands a number of times throughout the the remainder of the game. Paul Dack took over for a few minutes with nine quick points, which put the Cougs up 76-72 to with just under three minutes to play. The game was tied up again at 78 apiece after Kenny Placide knocked down uh, two free throws. Unfortunately, from that point on, 
BLC finished the game on an 8-1 run to close out the Cougs, 86-79. Anyone just seeing the final score has no idea how competitive that game uh, was throughout the entire 40 minutes of play. Dak once again led the way for the Cougar offense with 24 points, and Gus Gunderson, uh, just really another great game. Gundy continues his hot hand with 20 points. Blake Munson came off the bench to hit all four of his shots, scoring 10 points, and then Kenny Placide, Closed in on a double-double with nine points and nine rebounds. And I don't know if you had a chance to – I think you were watching. All of it, yeah. Uh, as, we were, as, as I mentioned, we were texting back and forth. But a phenomenal, phenomenal college basketball game. Uh, big shots by both teams. I mean, when I mentioned different guys stepping up, hitting big shots, yes, it was different guys every possession down the floor. It's Brian Larash. It's, it's Blake Munson. It's, of course, Paul Dak. It's Cujo. Uh, I mean, just different guys at different times. We never allowed them to make a run. And BLC is a team that makes runs every game. Yep. We never allowed that because we hit big shot after big shot, either regaining the lead or keeping us within a possession, but just a phenomenal basketball game on Saturday. Yeah, I can't remember exactly. It was, I mean, last five minutes, but they we were up four, so it might have been where you were referencing their whatever. It doesn't score aside. Uh, and then two straight possessions, they came down and hit threes. Yes. And then I'm like, oh, no, here we go. That was that we were ahead 76 to 72. Yes. And then boom, boom, they went up 78 to 76. And then Gunderson came and just daggered it. Oh. Right. And and so, I mean, it was that back and forth feel. And I just kept thinking to myself, man, if we can get one turnover, one possession, you know, one thing that, that turns the tide towards us. And where I thought it was going to happen was they had a a violation a, a throw-in violation yes um that gave us the ball back again i think we were down one down two perhaps at this time or whatever and then we got a, a contested but but a shot that that i trust cujo with nine 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 percent of the time yes. um from the left wing and yes. it just didn't go and i thought if that thing would have went the place would have well for us would have erupted then who knows what happens yeah. and then you get into the foul game and all of that mm-hmm. but that's a team, Bethany. That's now whatever they ten and zero in conference. They are ten and zero, and they have they have wrapped up a a berth in the uh, postseason yep. tournament. and one that we've now played them twice, once at our place and once there. And we could have, I will say, easily, although never easy, we could have easily been two and zero versus them. Yes. I mean, we've got that type of a situation versus that team. It's a good match. It has been forever. Last year, if I'm not mistaken, we beat them at our place on kind of a dagger three point. I mean. We've got something going on with Bethany that's a good that's a good battle right now. We do, and they will go into the tournament as the number one seed. I mean, they're ten and zero with four games to play. They've beaten everybody so far. Um, the overwhelmingly likely number one seed. The last team they want to see at number four, I yep. guarantee, are the Cougs, because uh, as you mentioned, the last couple of years we have just battled yep. with them. And yes, the majority of the time they probably come out on top, but I guarantee you they do not want to see the Cougs back in their gym. Uh, what uh, uh, two weeks from Wednesday when the semifinal round of the UMAC tournament is? Yeah, which right now, and you got to we got to get through this weekend, which I know you're going to talk about here in a second. But our le- well, I shouldn't say that. The difference between the two seed and the six seed on the guy's side, oh. if I'm not mistaken, is a game and a half, yes. right? You know, that we're sitting at, what are we, five and five? Yes. Yep. And I think six and four is right in front of us, they which are is superior. And two other teams, Crown yeah. and North Central. That we, 
well, we play all of the well, Crown we're done with, but we play two of those three teams coming up, and Northwestern has all of a sudden clawed themselves back up into five and five. And Cor- correct. And they've won five games in a row. Correct. So one through, as we've talked about forever, and, and we're discounting Martin Luther and Northland out of this, although yep. Martin Luther is going to have a role to play in it some sure. way, somehow. But one through six, and as we know, only four of those teams are going to be dancing here. Yes. So it's going to be a crazy stretch coming down to it. Yeah. So just like on the women's side, there are six teams vying for four spots right now. And the as you mentioned, the other two teams could be playing spoiler because um, they can certainly uh, beat anyone. So we're going to have... On both sides, there's going to be a couple of really good basketball teams that do not make the tournament this year because, as we mentioned, it is four teams that are making that postseason tournament, which we don't have to get ahead of ourselves, but next year it's going back to six. Uh, but uh, there's going to be a couple good teams that, that don't make the postseason yeah. play this year. Which means coming down the stretch, for all you Cougar faithful out there or just fans in general, these next two weekends are, I mean, a chance to see us at home, which is great, and it's going to be senior day on the guys' side too, all really important, impactful stuff. But these next two weekends in, in both of our programs mean everything to the, the the longevity of the season and continuing to play. Couldn't ask to be in a better spot. Exactly. So as I mentioned with on the women's side with UW Superior coming in, one game separates us for, you know, the the top spot in the conference. On the men's side, it's the same thing. UW Superior comes in, one game separates us from Superior. We beat Superior at their place. So a win Friday night against this team is huge, not only to tie us up in the standings, but gives us the the tiebreaker yep. scenario over Superior if we were to come down for that. And then Saturday, Northland comes into town, and Saturday's the day that our men will be celebrating Senior Day. So again, a big weekend uh, for both programs there heading in, and we'll mention that again uh, as we wrap up the pod today. Moving on to track and field, the men's and women's track and field competed in split events this past Saturday. Most of the throwers ended up going to Dakota Wesleyan University alumni meet, while the rest of the squad went to the unscored Gopher Classic in Minneapolis. Highlighting the top performers on the day on the men's side, Cody Nye, surprise, surprise, finished fifth overall at the Gopher Classic, but was the top finisher among Division Three throwers. Shocker. Shot put. Yeah, shocker. Uh, Jacob Lee, shout out to Jacob Lee, debuted in the triple jump and finished with a distance that ranks him fifth in the UMAC this season. Jacob, as uh, some of you may know, is a men's soccer player here in the fall, so it's awesome to see him coming out and, and helping out the uh, the track and field team there. Duncan Vandergon was the top finisher in the 60-meter dash, so congrats to those guys on the men's side. On the women's side, Gras Hambike ran the 60-meter hurdles and the 200-meter dash and finished with times that rank among the, the UMAC leaders in those events. Kim Peters, congrats to Kim, cracked the top 10 of the Cougar record book in the triple jump. And again, as we mentioned earlier with Mal, anytime you can put yourself in the record book, awesome performance, so congrats to Kim Peters. And then Maggie Landwer moved up to second in the UMAC in the pole vault with her performance on Saturday. Track and field makes a return trip to St. John's this weekend to compete in the St. John's Invitational there. So congrats to all the track and field participants. Yeah, and all this is gearing up for is the UMAC indoors. Correct. You know, and and just like multiple sports, you know, we've talked a lot of swimming with gearing up towards the LACs. These events are all about positioning our Cougars in a position to go into to the UMAC championships and compete. And it looks like several of them are firing on on full cylinders right now. And we're going to spend a lot of time over the next two months talking Cody and I. Yep. That's the, the easy one. And Cody, we should. You're, you know, keep doing your thing. That's right. But to see some of these other people now finding their groove, you know, to see Maggie all of a sudden have a second place finish in the UMAC, you know, things like that, that, that we expect her to compete at that level. Jacob Lee, I know Chan is now running too. You oh, know, he is yeah, great. Yeah, yes. you know, those type yes. of things that it's great. It's, 
it seems to me we've said Grass's name now two weeks in a row Absolutely. in terms of competition and uh, and Kim is Kim. So I'm excited about what this looks like, and I know the athletes are are getting ready. And if I'm not mistaken, it's the, what is it? The week of like the 24. I think we're about two or three. Correct. I think we're three weeks out from the the indoor uh, track and field championships. Yep, which will be hosted up at Superior, yep. where they always are. And historically, we've gone up there and competed well, and hopefully we come out with a couple of conference championships. But these weeks uh, are just about getting yourself ready to, to, to peak at the right spot. And uh, now moving away from, from the competitive angle, one thing I wanted to bring up, uh, because I know it's an, an important part of our athletic department, is we've extended our partnership with Dakota Bank. Yeah. And the, the, the Dakota, the, excuse me, the Dakota Deck has got, gotten a new look uh, for those that haven't had a chance to, to be up there. Tell us a little bit about that partnership and just what it means to our athletic department. Well, it means everything, Tim. And I know we talk about it a lot internally. And, and honestly, I talk a lot about it with Dakota Bank and Mike Mahoney and um, the other people affiliated with that is uh, small community, right? Morris is and a small university, but we're so ingrained in in the community as a whole. And, and Dakota Bank happens to be one of our corporate sponsors that just, they give a lot to us on, on both a support standpoint, but then from a financial piece of it too, that I'm so excited about the, the Dota, Dakota Deck remaining the Dakota Deck for another five years. We updated some signage up there yeah. and some stickers. Uh, on the floor and decals and some some banners that are going to hang things of that nature, but they're they're vested in the University of Minnesota Morris and our success and us and them. So uh, I I think my quote I said and thing was they're a staple of our community and they're a staple of Cougar athletics. And, yeah, uh, I'm I'm excited about those and and there are other partnerships out there, but Dakota Bank for since. I will say since 2018, since yep. I took over, has been a big part of, of our present and our future. So to any of you listening out there, I really appreciate you all. Yeah, we sure do. It's a, it's a great partnership with Dakota Bank, and hopefully that continues beyond uh, the next five years as well into long into the future. Yeah, and even with this, and I, I failed to mention, they also um, were a partner with our softball complex and sure. just recently made another gift towards that. I mean, it's, it's those type of things that don't have to center on the money of it, T., but frankly, it goes a long way. But there's there we use the Dakota Bank tent ten thousand different times on campus for different yes. events, you know. And it, those are things again that are centric to Morris that are so special. Yeah, love it. Uh, and the last thing as we head into uh, Super Bowl weekend here, Super Bowl Sunday coming up, we can't uh, allow that to pass without asking, what does that look like in the Johnson household? First of all, is there you know you you go all out with. Uh, with the foodie and stuff with with the boys and and your your beautiful bride and and then who you got in the game we got 49ers and chiefs tell us a little bit about super super bowl sunday at the johnson residence uh, let's peel back that uh i don't know what we'll do during the course of the day but i know <laughs> that we will have uh take out pizza that evening okay that has always been a stable for us and um yeah we just keep it pretty low-key i mean okay. in terms of we haven't done other huge deals with it we were proud participants in the seahawks super bowl party many of course ago. mike yes. appreciate you um but yeah, we always do pizza uh, generally that night, and we just have fun and we watch the game, or at least I do. Uh, Cooper will make, I will say, the whole game. Crosby yeah. will make some of it, and Ab will check in periodically and see how it's going. Check on the commercials, probably. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. The thing that stinks about it, and this sounds horrible, dude, I don't even care who wins. You know what I mean? I And I know I should, and by the way, the Chiefs are going to win. Um <laughs> <laughs> but I don't. It's it feels just one of those where I just have no vested interest in it whatsoever. You know, I don't. I'm not a Chiefs or a Niners fan. This will sound like sacrilege. 
I would have rather had the Packers or the Lions playing in the game. Yep, that's sacrilege. Uh, I just would have. And would've. folks, next week I will be joined not by Matt Johnson. It'll be uh, hosted by your guy, Tim oh, Grove. At least I would have had somebody to either cheer for or cheer against. <laughs> against, yes, for yeah, sure. So No, I, I get I'm you. going Chiefs. What, what are we out with the Groves? What do you guys do with I'm going. I'm going Chiefs, too. Um, it's similar to you. You know, as as the... When you've got people in your home that truly enjoy it, that's all you need, yeah. right? I mean, it's just, it's it's great. So, yeah, my boys will be watching the entire thing as well. And as you mentioned, Kristen will yeah, kind of check in once in a while. How are things going? Whatever. And, um, yeah, it'll be it'll be fun. We'll we'll make something. I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, it'll be, it's it's always a good time. And, and I do remember a number of years ago with the big comeback from, from the Patriots. That, yeah. Of course, that was, what, seven, six, seven, eight years ago, whenever it was. So my boys were considerably younger, and and it gets kind of late. And at at that point, they've got decent bedtimes. Well, I'll tell you, when Ian went to bed, he said, "Dad, if it gets this gets close, you have to come and wake me I up." I remember. I actually remember you telling me this, which of yeah. course I did. Yeah. And he came out and watched the end of that thing, and it was just—it's a memory that we still have and we'll never forget. And it's it's awesome. So just uh, one of those um, uh, parental memories that I've got. That uh, yeah, good job, Dad. I didn't yeah. let him miss it. Well, and I know this is, uh, again, second close circuit of the day, but to Roger Goodell, if you could just make Super Bowl <laughs> Sunday into Super Bowl Saturday night, I think the viewership would go crazy and it wouldn't, uh, you know, because I'm sure you had to apologize to Ian's teachers on the next day. Sorry, you know, I had to keep him up until midnight, but. Well, okay. If we're talking, I've already, I'm already out of parent of the year here. <laughs> Tonight, we are heading to uh, the Minnesota Gopher basketball oh, game. Oh, Michigan State's in they, town. They play How Michigan State. Yeah. So, of course, Ian being Michigan State through and through since he's about three years old, um, this is the game that we try to get to whenever they're in town. And, of course, it's an 8 p.m. start yeah, tonight. Dude. And he's one that we, we always hang out and get pictures with with the Sparties, you know, and, and, and the overwhelming majority of them are fantastic and are willing to take pictures. With the, I've got pictures of him when he's, you know, six years old with, with different guys uh, uh, from the Spartans and... And so we'll be there tonight, and we'll probably leave the barn, I'm guessing, around 11.15 tonight or so. And, yeah, so you talk about Parent of the Year, we'll be getting back. And at, you're all uh, the better for it, dude. It's awesome. You I know? wouldn't change a thing. Yep, because, again, not for the Gophers, because Michigan State does nothing for me. But, again, we went to Sunday Night Football this year. I yes, don't remember did. who we watched the Vikings lose to. But, anyhow, I mean, by the time we got out of there, it was midnight. Who cares? Yes. You know what I mean? Those are the type of it's memories awesome. you, you reference. So, And Super Bowl is special for that. Except if you're on the women's tennis team. Apparently, Super Bowl doesn't matter. We'll uh, see what happens. That's right. They do. And we'll get into that. They do play Sunday. So the upcoming schedule of events, uh, just a reminder, the basketball teams are home this weekend, UW-Superior Friday night, uh, and then Northland College on Saturday. Senior night for the women on Friday. Senior day for the guys on Saturday. Tennis teams head to Sartell to take on Northwestern College of Iowa on Friday and then travel out to Mount Marty University in Yankton, South Dakota on Super Bowl Sunday. And then track and field returns to Collegeville for the St. John's Invitational on Saturday. A proud alum, by the way, of Mount Marty would be Coach Michelle and Emma Donahoe. Well, there you go. Look There's the connection. You bet. Absolutely. I love it. So as we wrap up Episode 17 here in Season 2 of The Den, we want to uh, once again thank our engineer, Mike Seahawk, and our student intern, Jack Gala. Fellas, great work as always. And that's it for now. And until next time, go Cougs. You've been listening to Into the Den with Matt Johnson and Tim Grove. Let's put a bow on this thing. To get the latest episodes of Into the Den, 
follow us on Spotify and online at morriscougars.com. Until next time, go Cougars!